Well, hey there, and welcome to the Enough Ready Podcast. So this is the place where we talk about the mindsets and strategies for creating a thriving consulting or coaching business and reaching your full potential in your career and in your life. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with my fellow mentor to other consultants, Anne Carter. And in this episode, Anne and I are going to be exploring the importance of embracing your expertise and the importance of believing in yourself. One of the things I love that Anne shares is her insights on the mindset and habits of elite consultants. And she's going to share with you the impact that confidence and self-belief can have on your success. So if you're ready to take your success to the next level, join me as we explore embracing your expertise and the importance of believing in yourself with Ann Carden on this episode of the Enough Already podcast. So welcome to the show, Ann. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Betsy. It is my pleasure and honor to be here with you today. So before we get into our conversation, I would just love for you to just take a moment and introduce yourself and a little bit about what your business is all about. Sure. So I work mostly with coaches, consultants, and even professional service entrepreneurs, and I help them really build a premium business. So very high-end clients, everything is at a higher level. So not the digital courses and things like that, that can all come later, but I really help them have a very streamlined, simplified business where they're working with high-level clients. And um, I've been doing that for a lot of years. And I fell into that because I, I kind of went down a lot of, um, a lot of the rabbit holes and things that people go down when they get into the coaching and consulting space. And I was a bit frustrated with the value ladder and all of the things that are taught out there. And I knew that I had more to offer. And so I, I took a step back from the way people were teaching coaches and consultants to build their business. And I built five other businesses and sold them. So I've been an entrepreneur for over 32 years and I, I just knew I could do more with people. And I just wasn't happy with the, you know, churn and burn kind of process that people were teaching. So I kind of took a step back and said, I'm either going to do this differently my way, or I'm, I'm going to do something different. So that's kind of where my programs expert in you came from. So it's, it's about helping experts leverage their expertise and build an entire business around that. So you're, are you a serial entrepreneur? Are you more like, do you have a corporate background? Like how did you get into consulting itself before, Mm -hmm. before we talk about, like, I definitely want to talk more about your business and how you help the experts in you get manifested in the world. But tell me a little bit about that backstory around how did you get to this place? Yes. So I was 13 years in corporate. I was in business management for a large retail company, a multi-billion dollar retail company. And I did that for 13 years until I had babies and they were not very, we can talk about this all day. They were Mm -hmm. not very kind about, you know, women needing to have maternity leave and things like that. Uh, So we made the decision. I really wanted to stay home with my kids. I really, I did not want my kids raised by daycare or a babysitter. And Uh, We were living in California at the time. And so we made the decision to move back to the Midwest where we were from so we could raise the kids around family. And where we moved, there was no opportunity at all. I mean, there just really wasn't any opportunity. So I was looking for a way to make money and I started my first business. And that business went global. 
I was at that time, I, the craft industry was kind of exploding across the country. And I thought, oh, maybe I can make something with this box of stuff. I mean, this is really how it started. Um, and so I, I turned that into a, a global kind of a creative doll business and was shipping all over the world and had, I was kind of running a manufacturing company out of my home. I had a lot of moms working for me and and did that for seven years. And then I sold all of my designs out to a company. So I sold that first business and went on to build two health clubs, two weight loss centers. And then I came into coaching because in my last two businesses, I kind of opened those during the recession. Um, I expanded during the recession when a lot of people were shutting down. And I hired my first business coach because I was I was struggling in the market, in the new market I had gone into, and it was it was a marketing problem. It wasn't a business problem. It was a marketing problem. And I hired my first coach who also happened to be a brilliant marketer, and she turned everything around. And I wasn't losing money in those businesses, but I wasn't making money in those two. And I was kind of killing myself going between four businesses, and they were an hour apart. And so... I hired my first coach and I thought, oh my gosh, this has been amazing. This is something that I think I would love to do. And, and so I really just became such a student then of marketing and business and, and everything. And I, until I kind of had business owners coming to me, asking me, how, how have you, and I, by then I had sold two, you know, sold the other two businesses. And so they, it was a natural, it was really a natural progression for me. It was, I always say everything kind of found me. I didn't really, I didn't find a lot of the things that I'm doing. They kind of found me. So I started coaching. I started working with small business owners first and consulting. I didn't even call myself a coach. I called myself a consultant and worked in all different types of companies and um, businesses. And, and then I fell into the coaching and consulting niche in particular, because I was part of a coaching organization for business coaches. And a lot of the strategies and things they were teaching, I was one of the only coaches even doing very well, because I figured it out. And I kind of did my own thing. And so they, they were promoting me within that organization. Well, and, you know, is doing this and doing this and, and they started coming to me and instead of building their business, I decided to, to build my own business with coaches and consultants. So that's sort of how I transitioned into that. So that's a long winded answer. It's so interesting. It's like, we have a lot in common in our stories as I'm hearing you talk about like leaving your corporate job in the first place, you know, your motivation was the same as mine is that you wanted to organize your career mm -hmm. around your kids. So let's talk about that for a second. And then I'm going to, I'm going to pick up on a couple other threads. How old are your kids now? And, and <laughs> was it hard for you to make that decision? And do you have any insight from hindsight, you know, around what it's like to build mm -hmm. your career around your family? It was not hard for me because I truly felt that it was, that it's what I was called to do as much as I loved my career up to the point where I had kids. And then it was just, it was such a grind, you know, taking them to daycare and doing all of that. And I thought, this isn't what I had kids for. I mm -hmm. why would I want kids? And then I worked these crazy retail hours and it was just, you know, and I brought a lot of the stress home and it just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I honestly, Betsy felt like it was a calling to do it. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And I didn't know how we were going to make it work to do it. Um, 
so I just started praying about it and I, I just knew, you know, that there would be a way if it was, if it was meant to be. And then I, I don't think my husband knew I prayed about that, but then he lost his job. Oh my gosh. At the so, same time. Yes. At the same time that I was praying for sort of an answer. And I really did have a desire to move back to be around family. We had been in California for 10 years and um, as again, as I loved it until we had the kids and then everything kind of changed and, and how I felt about things changed. So I really wanted to move back to the Midwest, but my husband did not want to. And so then when he lost his job, he finished a big job, a big project that he was hired and even moved to do. And he had no idea that once he was going, that once he finished that, that they would let him go. He had no idea that that was it was really kind of crummy on the company's part. Uh, they didn't end up making it years later anyway. They went bankrupt, but probably because of decisions like that, I'm, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, so yes, absolutely. Yes. But it <laughs> yes. was, it, but it, it forced us then to take a hard look at what we, you know, it really forced us to uh, decide to make a change. And, and so I, I really knew my prayers were answered, not quite the way I had wanted them to be. But we made, so we, you know, he came back and looked for a job and found one right away and uh, we moved back. But, you know, the, the math didn't really work with this paycheck. He was driving back and forth into the city and, you know, it, it was costly and it was just, it, the math didn't work. It, it really, I couldn't squeeze another dime out of his paycheck and it was so frustrating. And there, there really was a turning point when my, my son needed shoes and I sat down and cried because we didn't have the extra money. And wow. it, it, that was a really tough place to be. And I made, you know, I just started looking for an answer, praying for an answer. So, and I got the idea, oh, maybe I can make something out of this box of stuff that's worth $15. <laughs> so, so did you, so did you have the business idea before you left or did you decide I'm going to leave? And then the business idea appeared. Yes, I actually started, you know, we moved and we bought a home and, and moved kind of to the country. So we, I, we were miles, you know, out of town. And um, again, this was- By the way, where in the Midwest ago, are so. you from? Yes, I'm in Missouri. So yes. Oh, are you? So, mm -hmm. so we kind of, so we moved to the country and there just wasn't, again, opportunity. I would have had to drive into the city if I was going to go back into my career. And um, it was just, you know, something that just wasn't, it wasn't going to work. And so I, you know, started looking for, looking for a way, but no, I did not have any idea to build a business at all. Although it's really funny because I, I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I didn't even realize it because mm -hmm. I went the, you know, the corporate career path, but my first business was when I was about probably seven years old. And I sold craft classes to the neighborhood kids. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> and awesome. And I made them pay. I was like, yeah, okay, there's materials here. And you have to pay if I'm going to teach you how to do this. And I don't remember what I charged, but I do remember doing that. And then I always sold, I always was in sales of some kind. Like I, I would sell myself to clean people's houses and I would sell myself to, you know, I would sell seeds like flower seeds and vegetable seeds and, you know, and I did things like that for money. So I have really been an entrepreneur for making my own way for a lot of years. It's been crazy. Yeah. I think it's interesting sometimes like those entrepreneurial skills, how they showed up. Like when I look mm -hmm. at my career, 
I was always the person who started departments and I started new opportunities all the time within an organization. So it was a more natural fit. But I think what I, I would love to get um, more clarity on from you, because there's a lot of people that I work with who are trying to leave their corporate job and start their own business, but they deal with a lot of fear in between, mm -hmm. you know, the big questions, how am I going to replace my salary with business revenue? How am I going to not let everybody else down? What am I going to do? But it seems like you didn't have those same kind of fears that others may have. And on top of it, you were in a situation where your husband had lost his job. So the mm -hmm. logical side, I know somebody's thinking like, well, Ann, why didn't you just go get a corporate job for a little while? Like while your husband's trying to figure stuff out, what, like, how did you get to this kind of Zen place on, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to take a step and I'm going to trust that the bridge will, will appear after mm -hmm. I take the step. I, you know, I just have not ever really been someone that is afraid to do things and take risk. And I just, I, you know, I, I feel like I have a good gut instinct about things and I also have a very strong faith. And so I rely on that a lot as well, but I also know what I'm capable of doing. And I really believe that you can do, if you really put in the effort you can be pretty good at most things, right? Most people don't stick with something long enough. So I do know that I am someone that um, I'm very resilient. I'm very committed when I commit to something. I committed to be a mom. I was I was going to figure out how to make that work. Sure, I could. When, the one thing I didn't say is part of the reason too why it was not going to work for me to go back and get a job is because when my husband lost his job, he gave back his company vehicle. So we moved back and we had one vehicle. So when I grocery shopped and did all of those things, that was on the weekends. I didn't have a vehicle during the week. So, wow. yeah. So there were a lot of factors. Um, the other thing is I, you know, if you think about the cost of daycare and all of those things, I would have had to have a fairly significant job. And if I'm driving and he's driving, I'm right back to where we were. And that wasn't, that wasn't what we made the move for. So I was very committed to finding a way and, you know, prayed about it. And, and so that worked, but my thought for people, I, I was also somewhat forced into making it work because I didn't have any other options, but I think that I would have done that anyway, if that, if that makes yeah. any sense, because I just think that's who I am. So it sounds person. like that there's a few components that were working for you that got you over the hump that a lot of people get stuck at, you know, one, obviously it seems like you have a strong faith. So you believe that mm -hmm. you don't do know if I walk off the, the map of my comfort zone, that the security will appear at some point in time. So it sounds like you have that. But it sounds like there's a real trust in your resilience and your stick to itness mm -hmm. that you had that seems like it might have just been a gift from your childhood or just the way you're wired. Is if somebody doesn't have that same gift, you know, what would you say about how to build that trust in yourself and build that trust in your own stick to itness and determination? I love that you're talking about this because one of the things that I say is it really is something that can be developed. And if you, if you do it, you take that step, you know, not, you don't get growth staying comfortable, right? You don't get growth in your comfort zone. So if you have, if you take that step and you commit to the step, it's like burn the boats, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
no going back. If you do that, then I believe, I believe you can accomplish it. If you just are willing to put in the effort and put in the work and do the things that need to, to be done. But to me, it's like a muscle, Betsy, you don't go to the gym one time and do a bicep curl and go, Oh, Hey, feel my muscle. Right. Right. right it right. doesn't work that way. You have to keep at it. It has I to be. I wish it worked that way. I, I know. Like Wouldn't that be out. so nice? Yeah. Hey, if I cut back on my meal today, I'll lose that 10 pounds. That would be, that would be that great. Would be, Why can't it, it work would. out that way? You know, if we could come up with a solution like that, we wouldn't even have to be on this podcast talking about no. <laughs> we'd um, be multi-bazillionaires. But... Absolutely. We, we we Elon Musk would have nothing on us, would he? <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, you just it is very much like a muscle. You have to do it and you have to keep doing it. And the more you do that, and I say this about taking risks too, I've taken a lot of really big risk in business as well. Um, things that other people would have never dreamed of doing. And it is so much like building a muscle. The more you do it, the more you're, you're like, well, it's, it's worked out before. And if it hasn't worked out, I found just, I found another alternative or another solution. And I think you just, I, you can't take it too serious. And I, I don't mean that in the way of don't take it too serious. I mean, think about, okay, what is the worst thing that's really going to happen? You'll figure it out. You just right. will right? You're not. And so I, I think sometimes people, I, I have to wonder where their fear really is coming from. Because if, if you were just like, you know, me sitting down and crying because my son didn't have shoes. I mean, they had been getting hand-me-downs from their cousins. And then all of a sudden we didn't have shoes for him and I didn't have the money. And I, I was just, I wasn't, I always feel like there's a solution. So I wasn't just going to sit there and cry about it let's do something about it. I would have figured it out. When, even if I wouldn't have started that business, I would have figured it out. But I knew I didn't like being in that place in my life where yeah. I had to worry about every dime. Yeah, And yeah, so I, I know that was probably more of an answer than you wanted. But. No, that was a great answer. And I think it's really interesting to talk about the flip sides of fear. Like when I think about people ask me all the time, the similar kind of question around like, well, where do you get the courage and what have you? I'm like, I'm afraid, but I'm afraid of different things. Yes. So I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of failing. I'll, you know, I'm a continuous improvement girl at heart. So I'll throw something out and it fails. No problem. You know, I'm not afraid of you know, even putting something out there that, you know, people don't like, and I get crickets or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm not even that afraid of money per se, because I kind of believe, I believe similar to you. It's like, well, you know, I'm in a benevolent universe that will support mm -hmm. me. So I feel comfortable with that. But my fear that I have that was bigger that drove it for me when I left Disney in the first place is this whole idea of living this unlived life. And it's like this whole idea of like the regrets, mm -hmm. what's going to mm -hmm. happen. You know, my dad had re recently passed and, and it's like, like you, if I have a calling on something, or if I still have something in my heart, what's mm -hmm. going to happen if I don't follow that. And it's sort of like, um, from a spiritual standpoint, you could say like fear or fear, not, you know, fear mm -hmm. can mean, you know, something to be afraid of, or it could be something that you're reverent of. And I think that you have that reverence around, I'm more afraid of other things than this because, yes. but in a good fear way, is that, is that accurate or am I, I hearing you correctly? Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. I mean, to say we're never afraid of anything is, re is crazy, right? Right. There's always, we're human. That's just the way it is. But there, yes, there's things that I'm more afraid of the things I can't control. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. So I feel like as long as I can control what I am doing and I'm the one, you know, that can navigate and I'm the one that can pivot and shift and do all of that. I, I feel pretty good that I'll figure it out. I think where, what I am afraid of are things that you don't have any control over. What if something happens? What if, right. you know, right. those, the, the life kinds of things, those are the things that I'm more worried about. I think it's fascinating what you just said about control is that I think a lot of people think that if I leave, leave my, my steady paycheck that I feel like I have control over to start my own business. They feel Mm. like I don't have control over how I'm going to make money. But I think in our, you know, our experiences of being corporate leaders and being entrepreneurs, I feel like I have a lot more control being an entrepreneur than I do otherwise. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily see having their own business you will have control and you have control over your destiny and how much money you make mm-hmm. if you get into it and you can learn stuff. Absolutely. And I think there, there is this idea that there's more security if you work as an employee and don't get me wrong, we need employees, right? <laughs> we need them. Yeah. But there is this idea that you there's more security in that. And we just see, we just saw what happened with tech, right? With big mm-hmm. tech and all the mm-hmm. layoffs and all the companies that, that laid off and even what happened during the pandemic, guess what? I was still here during the pandemic doing my business for you, but Mm -hmm. yet there were a lot of people that were not and were let go or were laid off. And so um, to me, there, that is not secure. I would be more fearful in that situation when I got pregnant and I was in that corporate career and they were not very kind about that. They couldn't say it, right? They can't say it. But even back then they couldn't say it, but you could just, it was just the way they dealt with everything and just the way they treat. It's like, I, I'm feeling guilty about having a baby. I mean, really what's wrong with this picture. And so, um, those are the things to me that people should, should be more, more concerned with. And, you know, if they get into entrepreneurship, again, you have control over what you're doing. So it sounds like a little bit of your secret sauce is, is that you read the tea leaves of the situation you're in and evaluated its alignment with your values. That seems to be one big part of it. The second Mm -hmm. big part of it is your faith that gave you the courage to act on your own values and live in accordance with your own values. There's a third component that it seems like you have a long history of being able to um, be resilient and trusting your own abilities to do something once you put your mind to it. And then there's this other component that you mentioned in the beginning of your story around being this learner, you know, that it's like, if you don't know it, you're going to learn it. seems yes. like there's another part that's just unique to the and situation, which is you kind of have this entrepreneurial bent your whole, you know, your longer life from the time you were a child. But these other components, those are part of your your secret sauce that are learnable skills that other people can develop. They really are. I think most people don't realize how much you can learn. I think most skills, I mean, most things are not, you have your natural gifts. There are certain things that I feel like are easier for me in my business, but then there are other things that are, oh my gosh, there's no way I can, you know, I even wanted to take the time to learn that, right? So I think uh, you have to really, you have to know what your natural gifts are, but you also have to realize that 
skills, just like sales, well, that would be a good example, marketing, sales, the things that you have to know to be in business. Those are just skills that you, yeah. that you learn. Right. And most of business are skills. One of the reasons I love to help people take their expertise and package that and build a business around that is because now they don't have to go learn their thing. They just have to learn how to build a business. So it's a much faster path. But most people, they are, they, they just have to realize that there's growth in everything they're going to do. It's just like getting a new job. You're, you have to learn the job and you have to, you have to learn that the things that you didn't know. So it's really no different in my opinion. I agree. And I think it's fascinating when, when, like, I don't know if you deal with this with your clients, is that there's such a block to learning these skills. It's almost like I should already know how to do this myth. Like, well, mm -hmm. you didn't know how to do what you needed to do when you got a degree and got all those years of experience that allowed you to climb up the ladder. Why? So you didn't expect to know that, but why should you expect to know how to mm -hmm. run your own business when this is brand new to you? Right. You know, you, you really bring up a good point with that too, Betsy, and something that might help your listeners. When I was building my other businesses, they were all very different, right? And they were, four of them were brick and mortar businesses. So the first one wasn't, but four of them were. And when I built those businesses and then I came into the online world, I had to hire a coach to help me online mm -hmm. because it was a totally different world. And even now I'm still learning. I'm always still learning because things keep changing. And so you, if you don't have that attitude or you don't have that growth attitude, I think you're not going to do well at anything that you're trying to do in entrepreneurship because entrepreneur, it does, it's not, you know, it's not static. It it's, Oh, it's dynamic, right? It's always moving. And so that was a whole different thing for me to learn how to build a business online, learn how to build a coaching business was very different from building health clubs. And so it, it's, they're all skills, but I figured it out and I learned it and I did a lot of investing and here I am, but you have to realize that that's going to be part of the journey. And, and there's different times of how you feel about learning the skills. Like sometimes it's like, okay, this is fun. And then sometimes it's just so frustrating. Like how I wound up getting into doing uh, more websites and copy and all that kind of stuff is I had transitioned from my B2B consulting business into my coaching and mentoring business. And I was trying to scale that up and I was trying to do some sort of pipelines where I was doing webinars and landing pages and I kept hiring people. And from a visual standpoint, it wasn't really you know, appealing mm -hmm. to me. The copy wasn't working. And I was, I was getting so frustrated with hiring people and it wasn't working. And it was just one of those, like, you know, yet we hit those walls at times when you're in your entrepreneurial learning curve where I'm like, okay, I think I just want to stay in bed for the day. And I had a really wise friend. Cause I was, I was complaining to him, like, why, why can't I, it was actually, it was a coach. I'm like, why can't I find somebody to help me with it? And he's like, well, maybe you're supposed to, you're not supposed to, maybe you're supposed to learn it. And it's like that little perspective shift, mm -hmm. like just changed everything for me. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not a tech person. I'm not a graphic mm -hmm. person. I never imagined myself to be a copywriter person, you know, but I got in there and I started learning how to do it. And I mean, I could do a landing page now within like a few hours. Like one of the things mm -hmm. I'm launching in the new year is a VIP day to help people with website copy or, you know, a proposal or something in a day. Mm -hmm. And I would have never gotten there if I didn't get that little perspective shift, you know, around the learning process. So there's a, 
an understanding we could have around mm -hmm. the learning yeah. curve could be annoying, but it's also kind of fun, you know, and that that's what led you into the business you have now. Correct. Yes. And it's so interesting that you're saying that because one of the things that I tell people is look, learn the fundamentals of marketing. This is a good example. A lot of people want to outsource their marketing or they want to outsource their sales. And they say, look, those are the two most valuable skills you can learn. <laughs> if you can learn how to market and you can learn how to sell, you'll never be without a job. You'll never be without money. You'll always be able to go do something. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love that you actually talked about that because when I hired that first online coach, and I was trying to build my business online. I mean, I could tell you the horror stories about, you know, 90 days. She, she, you know, we were setting up this webinar and, and I had six whopping people show up for that webinar. <laughs> this was 13 years ago. And, and then I sold one six after 90 days of all of this. <clears throat> and I had um, somebody that I sold a $600 program to. And I had to get on the phone and convince him to buy the $600 program. He did turn out to be my first um, national coaching client. So that was kind of a big boost and a big win. But I never dreamed where I'm going with all of this is I never dreamed I would be teaching this stuff to other people. Right. I just kept learning it. I kept growing. I kept doing. I know how to do websites. I do not do websites. I don't want to do websites. It's not anything I like. But somewhere along the line, I learned all of that. I learned how to build funnels. I, I learned all of those things. And here's the thing. Even if, you, even if you don't learn to do it to the degree that uh, somebody that's going to do that for their, for their business, you still need to know the ins and outs, in my opinion, so that you know if you're hiring the right help. Oh my God. Yes. Otherwise you yes. money. Yes. You money. <laughs> oh my God. You and I have so much in common. That's exactly it. Like I would say it's like, you know, learn the principles because yes. otherwise you don't know what you're doing. My first website, I just, you know, outsourced the whole kit and caboodle. And then I hired them to do a second website and little, little did I know, like I was kind of like in this magical thinking kind of phase. Like I'm like a faith-based person, kind of like you were, I'm like, oh, I put the website out and magically people were coming. And <laughs> what I, I didn't, they will come. <laughs> but what I didn't know is I did some things right from an SEO standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I went from website one to website two and the same company, but they didn't tell me what I didn't know. And I broke all of my SEO. And then it's like, I, I broke everything. And then for some reason, I didn't know my contact us form was broken for like a year. And mm. I was like, oh, I wonder why this website's not working. I'm like, this is so weird. Like, I wonder just, you know, and it's like, I was in this like <laughs> magical thinking phase. I'm like, no, there's strategy. Mm -hmm. There's strategy behind it. Learn what you need to learn so that you least can outsource properly. Like, I'm not a yes. crazy fan of like email marketing, you know, but it's like, you got to do it. And if I really want to get good at it, I'm probably mm -hmm. not going to learn that skill to mastery, but at least I need to know the purpose of email marketing. I need to know the purpose of these things. Yes, absolutely. I mean, maybe if you're in a, you know, I, I used to laugh when I would hear people say that they would teach CEOs and corporations how to do email. I'm like, really? But yeah. it wasn't something they did, right? They had, they had executive assistants and they had people that did that stuff for them. But when you're in your own business, hmm, it's a little bit different. You have to learn a lot of these skills. You can't afford not to. And again, even if you outsource them at some point, which is what I teach people to do, obviously, to outsource 
most of their stuff. You still have to know what you're doing because you can't even train people. You can't even know who you're hiring if you don't have the fundamentals down. And all of those skill sets, uh, even though they might be a pain to learn and you're like, oh, this is just, if you don't learn to sort of love the process and the journey, and you're, you're not going to make it an entrepreneurship. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just the reality because it, mo most of the time things aren't going to go perfectly. And so you just have to really learn how to navigate that and, and go with the flow, but just know that nothing goes to waste. And I tell my clients this all the time when they're struggling with, you know, one particular thing, I'm like, it's, you can't see it now, but it's not going to go to waste. Right. It, you, there will be some way that that will be super valuable for you besides just getting the thing done in some other way, it's going to show up in your business and it's going to be valuable for you. It's empowering to yourself to learn some of the skills, like using your example of a CEO. If a CEO doesn't know what a decent email looks like that should go out to the organization, his assistant or her assistant could send it out and it may not look good. In my experience as a former OD consultant, I'll tell you like the, the worst leaders are the ones who either got over promoted too quickly and didn't learn their business line effectively, or the ones that have only had one business line before they got to the C-suite. It's better to kind of flip around so that at least, you know, big picture, like, yeah, you may not have to be doing finance, but you have to be able to at least read this, you know, you have to read the reports, you have to read your, your numbers, you know, similarly as the CEO of our own business, we mm -hmm. may not eventually as we grow, do everything, but we certainly need to know what excellence looks like in every aspect of our business in order to, as you were saying, like stay it in the long term and actually have a little fun, you know, a lot of fun with it. One yeah. of the big things I'm launching also this year is a community um, where I'm bringing together people to learn together because that's a lot more fun than just sitting there by yourself, staring at a computer. Right. So you have to find a way to make it fun. Mm -hmm. But um, so I'm curious, like how you went from your, let's go back to your story. I want to talk a little bit about your experience from like these brick and mortar stores. I mean, um, brick, brick and mortar businesses <laughs> yes. that you were actually able to easily sell off and make money off of. Like, why would you go, like some people might be wondering like, well, and if you could do that, do that again, that's easy wealth creation. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be hands-on with people. Why would you do a business that requires, you know, a lot more personal touch than the kind of businesses you had before? Yes, that's boy, that's a great question. You know, if I think back to all those health clubs and I was very involved in those businesses because my first my first fitness business started me handing out flyers at a back to school barbecue asking moms if they wanted to take aerobic classes. That tells you something how long ago that was. And then it just continued to grow until it was this this huge club. Um, but I was still very involved in those clubs. So I still love training. I still love teaching. I, I, I don't even know Betsy, how many fitness certifications I got along the way, probably 30 or something like that. It was crazy. Um, but the reason that I, um, like, like getting into coaching is because I think I've always coached. I've, I've coached people with weight loss. I've coached them with their fitness it's been a very natural thing for me. And so coaching was very natural, but I have a very different. So first of all, I've sold five businesses. So we're financially, it has really changed our life and put us in a really good place. And when I started coaching, this was sort of passion, even though I'm still a business person at heart, I still want to make money. I still like a great lifestyle, all of that. 
of, I still love helping people. Mm. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people get into coaching and they want to build a big company. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to build a lot of coaches or a lot of consultants under you, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I help people do that. But for me, it's, it isn't the right path for me at this time in my life. I, and that's one of the reasons why I love the premium model that I have and that I teach because I get to have a really high-end business doing what I love to do. And I still get to coach my clients and I'm not stuck in all the minutiae and the grind and the volume stuff that a lot of people are in because I, everything is at a higher level. So I don't have to work with a hundred clients and that that's the business that it really is aligned with my core values at this time in my life. If when I was 40, I might've thought differently. I might've had different ideas and a different vision, but that's just where I am now. So, yeah. So it sounds like for you, coaching was a way for you to take your expertise and, you know, pair your success with significance and helping people with what you knew and your journey and sharing, passing that wisdom forward. It's like, it seems like it's just more a part of your purpose and fulfilling mm -hmm. what you feel like is that expression to that next level of your career. Oh, yes. If I can help people not make the same mistakes and, you know, the, I say the blood, sweat and tears <laughs> that I had through the years, even if I look at marketing, I, I tell this story, you know, when I was running my, my clubs, um, I would hire marketers. I would hire advertising agencies. I didn't really understand good marketing or effective marketing, and I hadn't really studied it. And I would, I could run events and things like that. I was great at that. I did all that in corporate, but the marketing piece, the real marketing stuff was like how to write ads and how to do copy and all of that. I did not understand the principles of marketing and what made good marketing. And um, I used to tell my employees after I would pay, you know, 15 or $1,600 to run an ad in the newspaper and that ad would come out and we would get nothing from it. And I would say, I should have just thrown that money in the trash and lit it on fire. And I did that for many, many years. It was just a waste. In fact, the reason I hired my first coach and I went to conferences and things like that, but we didn't have coaches available like we do now they weren't a dime a dozen and when this first coach showed up and and told me that she could help me I didn't even really understand how she could help me because I didn't really understand what a coach did or what mm. a coach was all about but she was a brilliant marketer and I was good at running businesses and I knew how to build them and I knew how to make money what I was not good at was the marketing piece. And I was racking up credit card debt. And I was, my big clubs was, they were paying for the other clubs to sustain them and pay the payroll and all of that. And so I just was at a place at a crossroads where I said, I have to do something. And so when I hired her, she was brilliant at marketing and she showed me what I was doing wrong. And that was such a game changer for me. And where was I going with this story? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. <laughs> well, like what made you decide to go from, you know, having your own business and coaching? So it sounds like from your own personal experience of the transformation that you experienced under a coach, it sounds like that ignited a fire in you to want to create that transformation. In that others. was it. <laughs> okay. okay. You can cut that part out. <laughs> no, that was a good story. No, I love that story. 
but that really was how, I mean, that, that was, I kind of saw it as, oh my gosh, my next thing. And as I sold those businesses, like I said, it was kind of natural because people were coming to me. How, how did you sell those businesses? Well, I knew enough that you have to build a turnkey business. You have to build something someone else can just step right into. And when I sold those, one thing about me, and I do know this about me, when I'm over something, I'm over it. Yeah. So when I was to the point where, oh, my coaching was taking off and it was, it was doing really well. And I saw the opportunity and I don't have to be tied down with all of this and payroll. And I, I jumped, I'm, I, I thought, why not? Why wouldn't I want to do that? So, so let's talk a minute about what makes a premium business, you know, like what's the distinctions between, you know, somebody else is just, you know, helping somebody start a a coaching business or consulting business, because all of us business mentors would say, hey, I'm going to help you become a premium brand in the marketplace. And I'm going to help you go after this. Is it more like going after a different kind of clientele? Is it more like going after um, like a higher, like a higher net worth individual? Mm -hmm. Like, what would you say is the difference? It could be both. So a lot of most of the coaches and consultants I work with work in the business sector. So corporate, or um, in business with small businesses or the professional side of things. And that is, that's my sweet spot because that's what I know best. Um, but it is really about going after that higher value client. But a lot of people, Betsy, they don't even really realize the value they can bring to the market. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have no idea what their skill set, how to pull it all together and be able to get premium pricing. And that's the thing that I love to pull out of them and really extrapolate that value and show them this, this is your opportunity here. It's not the thing over here that you thought it was. It's how can we pull all of your collective expertise, experience? One of the things that I think has helped me be successful in this business is because I'm not a one-trick pony. I've been around the block. I have lots of, not only just for myself, but working with hundreds of different types of businesses. I've worked in over 50 different industries um, as a coach, helping people in their businesses from plumbing companies to roofing. That gives you a lot of depth in your experience. And I pulled all that together to be able to build more of a premium model because I do have insights and experience and expertise that someone who just says, oh, hey, I think I want to become a coach. I think I'm going to buy into this organization and become a business coach, even though I've never owned a business and I've never signed the front of a paycheck. And that happens. That to me is a, is where a lot of people kind of go off instead of saying, wow, I have all of this career collateral, all of this expertise, and let me do something with that. So mm -hmm. That's why I love doing what I do with people because they have no idea what that looks like, how they can bring that value to the market and how they can get paid really, really insane, crazy fees to do that. Well, and I think sometimes like when people are dealing with corporate, like they don't understand how corporate people think about money. Like that's to me, the biggest difference between my B2B and my B2C business mm -hmm. is it's so much easier to land work in a B2B business if 
is big if, big capital if with like, you know, blinking lights, is if you understand how corporations think about hiring consultants, why they would do it, mm -hmm. and how they think about the money. Because when you are, when you're landing work in a corporation, as long as you have a decent business case and you could establish the value of what you're mm -hmm. doing, show the ROI, they're fine because it's not like they're making a decision between paying you and feeding the babies. Exactly. And when you're in a B2C business, you have to create a different kind of model. You need more volume because you're dealing with somebody who is making those choices, right? you know, versus in those kind of things. So it's really building that business acumen, you know, the savvy of what's going on in the organization and as showing up as a premium brand because an executive is used to a certain quality. So if you have like a DIY website that, you know, doesn't look great, well, you right. just shape thinking of who you are. If you go in and they say, hey, well, what do you you know, we want you to do this training program. And you're like, yep, sure. Cool thing. You know, it's like, well, you're not going to be seen as a credible partner. You know, how do you build that in somebody? How do you build that mindset and that, you know, that savvy to be that proactive advocate in an organization to say, this is what you need to do. And this, is how I'm going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to proactively advocate for what I think you really need in my contribution. When you are when you are going from, say, low fees or even as an employee, this would be another way to look at it. it. You cannot have a scarcity mindset because, like you said, with business, with corporations, and this is why I love working in that space, because they do think about money differently. They are used to investing money. They're used to paying out big things, big, big amounts of money for what they want. They're always looking at the ROI. That is what they are investing in. So it is a very different model. I love it because of that, because I can move people into those much more premium fees. Uh, a lot of times, some of the coaches I work with, they're not in the business sector. But when I see what they're able to do, we can move them into the business sector and mm -hmm. they get paid a heck of a lot more, sometimes 20 or 50 times more, which is crazy. So for me, that's that's what I love. But you said it too. If I always, I kind of use the same thing saying, well, if somebody has to decide between you or the electric bill, who's going to win, right? You said feed the baby. I love that too. But that's, that's the truth of it because you're talking about a fixed income. You're talking about no way for them to get their money back really, because there's not going to be an ROI. There, there is, there's value to everything, but not in the same way. When you're dealing with businesses and in the professional space, the ROI is monetary. So it's like getting money at a discount. That's the way do, I always... Do, do you mind if I push back just a little bit on that one? Sure, go ahead. Because people are going to hire people like us. And I would say, I absolutely will give you an ROI. I'm going to accelerate your results. I'm going to help you avoid expensive trial and error. Um, mm -hmm. But I have to I have to communicate it in a way that I understand that pressure that you're dealing with and that decision-making. I think that the difference sometimes in corporate is they're not, it's not their money they're playing with. They're dealing with, they have a budget that's entrusted to them. So whether they pay you $20,000 or $50,000, all they have to do is pass the red face test in terms of if finance is going to question them, they have to be able to pass the red face test and you can equip them to pass the red face test, but they're not making that big of a personal decision. But every, it is an ROI working with people like us is an ROI, a massive ROI. That's true. I mean, there. that's what I said. There is value to everything. I. You're right. It is a, a matter of communicating. 
And it's also, it's a matter of going after the right audience or the right market because right. you cannot get blood from a turnip, so to speak. That's right? true. Um, and so you do have to make sure that you're going. So if you're going to go into a premium model and you're going to work with like B2C, then you have to go after people that are more affluent, that the money is not an issue. And so you have to really raise, you know, the bar for who you're, who you're trying to market to and who you're trying to attract. So yes, in that respect, I mean, even if you think about, uh, for example, a CEO of a company who's going through a divorce and you're a relationship coach, well, there's going to be an ROI if a relationship coach can stop that divorce and save that marriage, right? So there is absolutely value in everything, but you're right. It has to be communicated and it has to be the right market as well. Uh, and if you do mom who's struggling is going to have a tough time. And if you are going to go after the stay at home mom who's struggling, you know, then you just need to create a business model and you do have to invest in other marketing skills. You could make that one profitable for yourself, depending on, you could do a course, you could do membership, you could do mm -hmm. a lot of things at a lower price point, but you just have to really be intentional, you know, what you're doing. Absolutely. So going back to intentions, as we kind of wrap up our conversation, I want to go back to your initial motivation to leave corporate and start a business. So we, I asked you earlier, like how old your kids were and mm. like now looking at the decision you made, how old are your kids? My kids just, I, I, my kids were like three and five when I left Disney, mm -hmm. they are now 19 and 21. So I don't, I don't know if you're in a similar state of I'm life as older. I am. <laughs> I'm so much older than that. So my daughter's 34, my son is 35, and I have four grandkids. I have <gasps> triplet grandkids. I have triplets that are six. And then we just had a new, they just had a new baby sister in November. Congratulations. Um, so you do not I look like that. Four. Oh, well, thank you. You do not look like a grandma. <laughs> well, so I'm a nana. I'm not a, I'm not a grandma. I'm a nana. <laughs> Well, That's I just married, me. I married somebody with a grandchild this past year. So I'm BB. Oh. So I've got my fun name too, but yeah. tell me a little bit about your perspective. Now, if you look at your career in hindsight, making that really important decisions, your kids are grown, you have grandkids now, mm. like what, what do you see in terms of the arc of your entrepreneurial journey? And, you know, what would you say to that younger person who is trying to make a decision around, you know, should I leave? Should I start this business? What would you say to her? Uh, I think there's nothing like business. I, I, you can build wealth with business. It can change your life. It's who you become. I think Jim Rohn said it years ago. You know, it's not about making the million dollars. It's who you become to make the million dollars. And I think there's just nothing like business. There's nothing that can change your life like business can. So I am all for anyone, but doing it, but big, but you have to be committed and you have to realize there are ups and downs. Um, looking back, I, I really wish my first business would have been in today's time. I mean, obviously not changing that, but I can't even imagine if my first business would have been in today's time with the technology, with everything that we have. I, people have such an opportunity today. It's just crazy what they can accomplish today and, and just firing up a laptop. I didn't have this luxury, right. To do that, mm -hmm. um, as a stay at home mom. And so I am just all for, if you really have, if you really believe that you're committed and you're willing to, to go all in, 
then do it. I mean, do it. I think there's nothing better. And there, it's so much, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but it's also, there's the reward is so great. When I look back and I think, and I don't believe that I've done anything without God. I mean, I just truly believe that in my heart. But when I look back and I see what's been accomplished and the thing, I mean, there, that's really, that feels good to me that I've accomplished those things and that I've written three books and that I've helped thousands of people through the years. And even now, I, when I have people come up and say, you know, you changed my life. I still think about you when it comes to even fitness, that means so much. I, I mean, that is a legacy, right? So I just, you can't do that with anything else, in my opinion. I think business is, is the way to do that. So how does somebody get it? Speaking of your three books, um, how do people get access to those three books or get to know more about you and your programs? Yes, you can go to my website at Carden. L is the middle initial, dot com, mainly because I couldn't get Ann Carden at the time. Um, so it's annelcarden.com. Also, you can find me. I have a big YouTube channel and you can find me all, just Google me and you can find me anywhere basically that you want. So, but my books are on my website or, and they'll take you to Amazon to get them. So you can get them on Amazon as well. So thank you for asking. So one's on the expert in you, which is what I see behind you. So that's mm-hmm. one of your books. And what are the other two books about? Yeah, the other two are business books that I wrote when I was working with small business owners. So um, they're all around small business. So one is, you know, 10 money making marketing secrets and the other one is uh, small business success. So they and then I'm a believer, write a book around what you are doing right now so that you have an expert book for what you are doing right now. So I wrote my expert in you book when I started working with coaches and consultants. Really, I wrote that out of frustration, if you want to know the truth. Uh, to kind of push back on the industry a bit, but yeah, so those are the three. Very cool. And so do you do mostly one-on-one or do you do group programs or what's the best, how do you engage with your clients? I I do one-on-one and I do high-end masterminds. So I have both of those. Uh, one-on-one, I work with people a lot of different ways. So I can work with them short. I can work with them a VAP day. Uh, Just depends on what they need. I am not about cookie cutter. I am about selling with integrity. So I put people into what is going to be the best fit for them. And, um, but my, I have high-end masterminds and then I also run some high-end retreats as well. Very cool. So, um, is there anything else that you would want to tell me about consulting, coaching, um, anything about entrepreneurship? And I just didn't ask you the right question. Um, I think you have covered a lot of it. I don't, I can't think of anything offhand that, that we haven't really talked about. I'm trying to think. I, I think if I had to leave any, if I had to leave people with sort of a parting thought, I would just say two things: never quit growing, and and know that you know this is a journey that you have to consistently grow. You and like I said, it's it's dynamic, right? And the other thing is never quit raising your bar. So. I bought your program, Betsy. I I will tell people that because I'm always wanting to see what else I can learn. And that's just the way I am wired. And that has served me really well in business to always stay at the top of my game, cutting edge. What can I learn from other people? I certainly don't know it all. Um, So I always keep my eyes open for people that are doing brilliant things and what can I learn from them? 
I love that. I think that's such a great way to end it because, you know, some people might be wondering like, okay, Betsy, you're bringing somebody who sounds like she does a lot of things like you do. Like, why would you bring someone on your show who's a competitor? I'm like, well, there's no competitors. We live in an abundant universe, Mm -hmm. you know, and you and I don't do exactly the same thing, Mm -hmm. but we have the same heart. And I think that the same heart resonates with one another. You know, it's just the whole idea of being in this business because we want to make a difference, Mm -hmm. wanting to really empower people to own their strengths and own the power of their expertise. And I think that that's just beautiful that just always be learning and learning from everybody who's around you. I just love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. So one thing about embracing your expertise is it doesn't just change your business success. It doesn't just change your career. It can change your life because unshakable confidence in the value of what you do equals power. It's the fuel that empowers you to do what you need to do to get clients who will see and pay you as an expert. And with that money and time that you get because you have that predictable pipeline, you can do what's most important to you in your life. And if you're not 100% there, no worries. I got a freebie for you. I got a brand new ebook that I created on the three steps to explaining what you do with clarity, confidence, and credibility. To get this guide, all you need to do is go to www.betsyjordan.com forward slash template hyphen value hyphen proposition. So what this guide is going to do is it's going to help you get a simple what I do message, even though what you do as a consultant or coach isn't simple, right? Plus, you'll get a networking script so you can make connections with potential clients and referrals to clients with ease. So that's it for now. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review enough already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.